What's up and welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast. This is episode 11. 11 and Gregory we are Campbell. back live. Gregory Campbell episode. We are back live right after the first game of the Boston Bruins regular season opener. Um, Me and Mel were lucky enough. We were outside. We had a TV out there. Where we were having a fire, drinking some beers, having some pizza, having some Chipotle. Chipotle. Shout out Julio. Shout out yeah. Julio. No, no, hang on. Before we get too deep, I want to apologize to Julio. We are uh oh there's there's a Chipotle in our town that's probably about mm, maybe twelve minutes from my house. And we decided Sully and I decided to watch the game together at his house, which is in the town next to me, and for some reason the Chipotle that I got it from on DoorDash was like two towns over. So, Julio, if you're listening to this, I am so sorry for making you drive like 25 minutes for a $5 tip. I'm sorry. I thought it was the other Chipotle. That's my fault. But he well, got it pretty fast. The food was still kind of warm. Well, shout out to him, too, because when he delivered the food, obviously DoorDash, they take, <laughs> picture, they take pictures of the food. And I went out there to go pick it up. And I, I grabbed the bag. And next thing you know, Mel gets the picture from the DoorDash guy. And it's a picture of me picking up the bag of food. No, no. I'm, I'm going I'm to have to put that on the Twitter account. Because I, I got a tweet. If you've ever done DoorDash, I used to – I DoorDashed uh, – I think I do, it was last summer I DoorDashed because I had nothing else to do. I was in college. Um, over the summer and whenever you whenever you drop something off you have to take a if you drop it off if you leave it by the doorstep and you don't hand it to them you all you have to take a picture of it and send it in through the app like a confirmation thing so i got a text from doordash saying that your <laughs> your food has been dropped off here's the picture and i look at the picture and this is just a picture of sully like bending down and picking up the bag and this guy's literally standing like four feet away from you taking how did you not see him i I didn't even notice him taking the picture (laughs) it's so funny i'm gonna have to put that on twitter tomorrow (laughs) yeah but um yeah so shout out julio it was a Thanks for it, it. It almost looked like the Bigfoot picture of like, yeah. walking, walking well, you were like mid mo, you were like mid motion, so <laughs> like a little blurry. I like the flash of the human flash, <laughs> but um, yeah. So what a what a great uh, opener for the Bruins. Uh, five two win over the Washington Capitals. Um, Pasternak right off the bat. I mean, three assists, a goal, four points. Krejci. Three points, a goal, two assists. Bergy had the opening goal. Um, Zaka had an assist. Hall had a goal. Lindholm got the empty net goal. Clifton had an assist, and uh, Riley had an assist as well. So, I mean, God, what a, what a it was a great opener. Uh, pa- Pavel Zaka looked great. That whole check line looked unbelievable. Um, one thing that's undoubtedly true is the chemistry that Pasternak and Krejci have. Yeah, Krejci almost had another assist there. Uh, the one you and I were screaming at the TV right in front of the net when, um, oh gosh, it, he got the puck right in front of the net and he kind of like skated a little bit out of the crease and the goalie was out of position. We we're like, shoot, shoot, mm. shoot, and he passed it. To, I don't remember who it was who got the pass in the slot and it just ate him up. But yeah, um, I think over- I think he was looking for pasta. He probably was. It, these those these Czech people, they got eyes in the back of their head, especially when you, <laughs> there's three of them on a line together. But um, I no, no, I thought, you know, it was an all-around good game. I didn't really know what to expect going into the first game. I mean, obviously you right. want them to win, but, you know, first game of the year, you know, you're missing some guys, new coach in Washington. You know, I I, I, I didn't think that 
um, they were going to run away with the game. I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but like they were, it, it seemed like they were all over Washington to start the game. They were getting a ton of chances. Um, yeah. You know, the, I thought that they, they owned the first period. Obviously they're up three, nothing like a couple minutes into the second or whenever it was. And then you could kind of see the momentum shift there. And, and that happens in the game of hockey. And I thought I really said a lot, like three to two, you know, when the Caps made it three to two, it was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we were, we were kind of really, sitting on a chair, squeezing our legs a little bit. I literally tweeted from from the Something's Bruin Twitter account. <laughs> I said, Bru- Bruins fans, how are we feeling? Not even ice on my life. Not even thirty seconds later, the Capitals score. Not even two minutes after that, they score again. And yeah, we were going, oh boy, here we go. But they were able to to fight them off and not just hold them, but extend their little a little bit. And a five to two win opening night in Washington with you know your top defenseman out, your 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 best player Barshan out, and a new coach. I will take that. I will also take, um, I don't know if you knew this, but Bergeron, Krejci, and Pasta, they're on pace to be the first (laughs) set of teammates in NHL history to each have 82 goals in a year, which would be quite the feat. And and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. They're on pace for 82 goals. I mean, Pasta is on pace for (laughs) over 300 points this year. And nobody's talking crickets. I mean, nobody's talking about it. Do you think that's doable? You think he can keep the pace? <sighs> I mean, I think it's just, I think 300 is is keeping the bar a little low for him. Why don't <laughs> you push it to four? <laughs> I mean, yeah, in all honesty, he played great tonight. He had the puck mm-hmm. on his stick a lot. And that was one of the frustrating things about Pasta. Early on in his career, he was a turnover merchant. You know, he would always try to do way too much with the puck. Um, and he's an exciting player when he has a puck on his stick. And in the past, it's kind of um, the the majority of his point productions came in scoring goals. But tonight, you saw it. What, he had three assists, four points? I mean, that goal was a bit of a weak goal, whatever you want to call it. But the guy was around the net all night. That's what you got to expect from Pasta night in and night out. You can definitely tell that this is a contract year for him. And, oh, and let's hope that he can use some of that to fuel the Bruins ahead because um, he played great tonight. Obviously, that second line was buzzing, a huge reason why the Bruins won in the way that they did. Um, and really, overall, I have no complaints about tonight. What about you? Anything that stuck out to you tonight? No, zero complaints. I mean, the only thing that I'm thinking about is when Marshawn comes back, are you going to bump down Zaka? Are you going to keep Zaka on that line? Because if, if they continue to play the, the, you know, the way that they did tonight, it's going to be a real hard discussion to justify moving that line apart and breaking them up. But, I mean, granted, yes, it's one game. But, I mean, oh, my God. I, I fell in love with that line tonight. It's unbelievable. They're so good together. It's They know exactly where each other are on the ice at all times. Um, they move the puck so well. They zip it across the ice. I, I think there were legitimately maybe two shifts all game where they were really hemmed in in the defensive zone. And then the rest of the time, they were in the offensive zone just creating creating a um, uh, a problem for Washington. And it's it, it's great. I don't think you can... I, I want to see that line for a while before we really make any hard decisions on that. Yeah, I mean, it. It's you hit the nail on the head. It's a really, really well-balanced line. I mean, they had the puck. They, there was like two or three um, sequences in the game where they were hemmed in in the offensive zone, cycling, moving the puck around for 
it felt like for hours and you could see like like the players in Washington are leaning over on their sticks like holy hell how do we slow these guys down and that's yeah. so important because that's something that the Bruins have been dying for for so long I mean you can talk about um you know if that second line doesn't perform this way and they get into the playoffs if they don't have a deep second line, they would have to go back to the perfection line and put pasta back on that top line. And then and now you're a one trick pony again. So I know it's the first game of the year, but that should give you a ton of confidence in this Bruins second unit moving forward. And you're right. Who knows, you know, when Martian comes back, what they're going to do with, you know, if they're going to move Zaka around or whatever, whatever they want to do. But I thought that they looked really good tonight. Um, you, no way in hell could you watch that game and, and, and know that that was their first game playing together as a line because like like you just said they had eyes on the back of their heads i mean the the forechecking the cycling was insane the passes in front of the net it was beautiful pure hockey and um it's it's exciting it's something that the bruins haven't had in a while is is two consistent lines so again i know it's the first game but i don't know how you can how you can watch you know Bergeron score and know that Marshan's coming back and the second line produced the way that they did and not feel a lot better than you did probably before this game started with all the question marks they had. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it, for the people saying like, because I know there were a good chunk of people saying, oh, this team's not even a playoff team this year. Uh, they're they're going to be on the outside of the wild card looking in. I don't know. Take a look at what you just saw tonight. That's against a Washington Capital team that's expected to either you know, finish in a top wild card spot or, or, or grab that last wild card spot, regardless it's a playoff team. And you just saw them beat them five to two. And, and really they controlled the game for a, for a, a majority of the time. Um, but a big part of the game tonight was Linus Allmark. I mean, mm-hmm. 35 shots from Washington. He allowed two goals, made 33 saves. That's great. That's, that's, that's what you want from, from one of your goalies, you know, 33 saves in one night is, is really good and Washington has some really really good chances as well and um Allmark made some big saves and some big moments especially uh there was a Lars Eller two on one and he made that save I think it was when it when the game was tied or not tied when the game was three to two and he came up with a big save and then a couple minutes later uh, I forget who got the fourth goal but you know we we got the goal to put us back up by two so without that save by Allmark who knows um but yeah, I mean the team just looked looked good as a whole, and yeah, it's one game, but it's not preseason anymore. Washington isn't a team that you're expected to beat every time you play them, like who we have on Saturday in Arizona. Um, <laughs> so you know it's a good way to start the season. You're one and zero. Um, that second line has confidence. Um, Bergeron obviously with the goal. DeBrusque did get a little bit nicked up in the second period, I think it was. And I don't believe he came out for the third period. I don't remember. Uh, I, he didn't, he didn't start the third period. I don't remember if he came back. Yeah. And I know he only had a couple enough. shifts after he got hurt too. So it, that's something to kind of keep our eyes on see what develops in that situation. Yeah. You know, I, I was, you, you kind of just mentioned about uh, Allmark and he had a sneaky good game. He did. You and I were just talking about that before we started recording. And I also wanted to give a shout out to a good friend of the show, Ethan Moriarty. You can find him on Twitter at E Moriarty WX. He asked this before the show started question for the boys. Who who you start opening night, Swayman or Olmark? And um, I think Olmark was the right choice. 
I think yep. that I think he had a stronger preseason. I, we talked about this a few episodes episodes ago after the beginning of the preseason, and, and Swayman just didn't look as confident in that. Maybe he was trying to do a little too much, but I think that probably contributed to the fact that Allmark was between the pipes tonight. And I thought my my first impression when the game ended was I thought he played well. I didn't think that he played perfect. I thought that there were a couple saves he made that looked like guesses, which is I've been critical of Swim on that in the past. Um, I thought he was out of position a few times, and that second goal that Washington scored it was not a very good goal. He should have had that one. Um, there was there was one save he made. And it always kills me when a goalie makes a, a routine save when it's usually, you know, puck stays in the ice It either they trap it in their five hole or in this case, it was, it hit off his pad and it was right next to his pad and he was looking behind him. <laughs> no, it's right in front of you. That's not a, it, it just not a confident play, but, but he played well. We look at the box score after the game, he had 35 saves. So you can't complain about that. Um, but yeah, no, I think that they made the right decision starting him tonight. I thought that he, he played well. And uh, when do you think is going to be the first time we see Swayman? You think he's going to get the home opener? I think he gets the home opener against Arizona. Because, no, somebody made the point earlier that if he didn't start tonight, it would be 10, 10 games in between his his starts. Um, so, obviously, he didn't start tonight, so it's going to be more than that. It's going to be about uh, 13 or 14 days between his starts. But I think he gets in there against Arizona in Boston. Um and I, I think because I know I know Mark, Mark Allred, um, founder of BNG Productions, he he's a big supporter of the 50, yeah, and, and the 50 50 split because like what they did last year, 41 games for all Mark, 41 games for Swayman. And I think that they're going to follow that same um, philosophy this year. And I think they're going to go 41 41 again maybe one of the goalies gets a little a couple more games than the other but either way i think it's going to be pretty close to 50 50 again which i'm all about you know yeah. i mean especially like because you know these guys aren't superstar goalies they're all marker swimming they're not just they're not vasilevsky they're they, you don't really want them to get burnt out playing 60 games in a season anyways if you have two a little bit better than average goalies in net and you can afford to kind of, you know, go 50-50 with them and split time. Do that as much as you can so that way they're not burnt out going into the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, like you just said, you, you, you don't have a true number one right now at least, but you do have two goalies that you, you can feel pretty confident about every night when you start them. And there's something to be said about having a fresh set of legs playing goalie every single night. Um, you're right. You don't have Vasilevsky in that who's going to get like 60 <laughs> starts a year. I mean, that's yeah. insane. You have two very good goalies who are going to do a great job splitting time between, uh, you know, in the net this year. And it'll be interesting come playoff time because, you know, last year we saw Olmark was the guy heading into the playoffs. I wonder this year if that will change. I mean, I know we're one game in. Um, but if the Bruins make their way into the playoffs this year, which like, you know, indications suggest I'll knock on wood for you, but you know, I think, <laughs> I think you'd feel pretty good about them making the playoffs this year. I wonder, I wonder what they would do for the playoffs because come playoff time, you can't, you can't split goalies in the playoffs. You got to pick one guy, one or the other. Um, so maybe this will be Swayman's year. I don't know. We got a long season ahead of us and a lot, a lot happens between now and then, but 
it's it's always something you got to think about when you got a team that's splitting goalies 41 and 41 you know yeah oh 100 percent. but yeah i mean other than that it was a great 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 first first game uh the guys looked confident they looked ready to go and that was the, that was one thing that really stuck out to me too is that in the pre you know preseason is kind of lackadaisical sometimes it's really for younger guys who are really trying to push for a spot guys like um mark mclaughlin aj greer jackson nika jacob zaboral guys like that the preseason is really valuable for them but the other guys it's kind of like okay like been here done that um let's get to the regular season let's get these the games that really count and really matter let's let's get those going and um the 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 pace of play between preseason games and the game tonight was so different and it's because because these games are actually counting these games actually matter so you you saw guys like you know jake debrus campus lindholm brandon carlo uh mike riley they were all they were all playing an extra uh, they were playing up to that extra gear mm-hmm. a little bit and yeah. it just the and they were ready for it and you could tell and if if they bring that every night just that kind of mindset then i think we're going to be in a good spot and um we're going to have a good year to follow this team yeah i'm glad i'm glad that you brought up mike riley too cuz i thought he played really well tonight I'm, yeah, yeah. I made a point. I, I mentioned something to you while we were watching it as well because I've definitely been critical of Mike Riley in the past. He's been one of the guys I've put on that chopping block. If you want to start shedding some yeah. cap, I've been saying, ship his ass out of here. But <laughs> I thought he played really well tonight. I thought that he was really present in the offensive game. I thought he was making great reads. He was keeping the puck at the blue line. He was crashing. He was going down low and actually starting a cycle a couple times in the offensive zone, which is something you don't usually see from defensemen. But, you know, one of the hardest parts of of being a defenseman is knowing when to be aggressive and when not to be and i think mike riley's had that problem in the past but you know and he's not a young guy but that's something you see a lot in young players is you want to make the right play and you want to make the right read but you got to do it you can't take a second to think about it because that puts you out of position and if you want to jump into a play if you want to jump up and keep the no keep the puck in at the blue line if you wait one second and then go all that needs is a little chip off the boards, Pasha, and boom, two and one, I'm in rush. And that happened to him a lot last year. And tonight, I thought that he was instinctual. I thought that he was acting upon what he was reading on the ice. And I thought that he played great. He was doing a good job in the offensive zone. And um, overall, you know, for a battered defensive unit, they got trapped in their own zone a couple times, which is going to happen. That happens pretty frequently every game. But I thought they played pretty well overall as a unit. Um which was one of the highlights of, of my game, seeing that. And, of course, as I mentioned before, the second line. So definitely encouraging game tonight. You know, you can't get mad at a 5-2 win. But um, I really can't think of anything negative to take away from this game, which is like the first yeah. time in a long time I felt like really good about following a game like this. Yeah, and I was just going to say, too, another positive thing. Um, Derek Forbert, he had six block shots tonight. And, and that's what you it want out of a guy like him. Yeah, fantasy <laughs> menace. I'm gonna go pick him up. <laughs> fantasy menace just eating up shots and getting points. That but, adds up. <laughs> I mean, about Mike Riley. That's why I was so confused when they when they waved him, and luckily nobody picked him up. But he fits into Jim Montgomery's system so well. With with a guy like Jim Montgomery kind of changing up the philosophy of his team, you he wants the defenseman to get you know, more involved in the play. And Mike Riley is perfect for that. And he showed you exactly why tonight. 
he he's a great puck moving defenseman um and still solid defensively too i he he he's somebody who i really don't want to see get health bombed too much um i'd rather see a guy like like connor clifton be that seventh defenseman who who if somebody needs a maintenance day or somebody just needs an off day then clifton steps in I would love to see Forbert in the lineup consistently because you're going to need guys like him, guys who are willing to block shots, guys who are just really – because Derek Forbert might be the definition of a stay-at-home defenseman. I mean, he, every I mean every time he scores a goal, Twitter goes crazy calling him Derek Orbert cause, <laughs> cause, because he doesn't score goals. He's not an offensive guy. But you need him in the lineup, or at least guys like him in the lineup, to eat shots to take away lanes in the defensive zone to just play steady, solid defense. And Derek Forbert's perfect at that. And I think it's a good mix right now with defensemen that we have um, of guys who can move the puck and then guys who are really just there to lock down in the defensive zone, block shots, take away lanes, breakout, breakout plays. And, and he's great at that. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think, just based on the preseason and tonight, I think Connor Clifton is probably the defenseman who is the odd man out in 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 all of this. Which 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 stinks because I know he's a big part of this team, but when you're really looking at it, he doesn't fit in to the to the defensive lineup when you look yeah. at all the guys that we have, Espe- yeah. especially when we get Charlie McAvoy back. Yeah, um, listen, I. I will never say a bad thing about Connor Clifton. You already know why, my fellow QU alum. But I will say this: I do agree that he's the odd man out. I think that he's. I think he's a good, serviceable extra defenseman, like you said. Yes. But he's too similar to defensemen that they already have now. He's like the same height, the same size as like Grizzlick, who's better than him. He's the same kind of style of player as Charlie McAvoy, although he's nowhere near Charlie McAvoy's stratosphere. And what I mean by that is, like, they have – you have, like, Forbert, you have Lindholm, and you have Carlo, who are your big defensemen, 6'4 plus, even though Carlo doesn't use his body. And then you have guys like McAvoy, who's your do-it-all defenseman, who's not the biggest guy on the ice, but he definitely plays that way. And then you have Grizzlick, who's like your poor man's Tory Krug, who's like the short defenseman who's going to get in the play offensively. He might not be great on the defensive end, but he's really good on the power play. And that's like you don't usually have multiple guys like that on your defensive core. And I think that's when Connor Clifton runs into a bit of an issue on this Bruins team is he's just too similar to some of the players that they already have on defense. And he's not good enough to crack that top six. So I think that he's he's good in the role that he has when, like he had tonight, he's not going to be playing every night, obviously, because they have injuries. But I think he's a really good seventh defenseman. I think that he's still somebody that you can trust if you have an injury like you do right now in McAvoy, where you can put him out there for a couple games and, and expect him to not, like, crap down his leg. Like, yeah. Connor Clifton is still a good hockey player. Absolutely. Um, I just think that he, the problem that might lie in, in this Bruins team is he's just, too similar to some of the other defensemen, and he's not as good as players like Grizzlick or McAvoy are. Yeah, and since we're on the topic of defensemen too, I'll jump into this DM that we got from um, our friend Zach Taranko. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach underscore Taranko, T-A-R-A-N-K-O. Um, and he says, 
what are your thoughts on the Strawman contract, and how do you think the Bruins cap space will work out when McAvoy comes off the LTIR? So I'll jump in, and I'll say Anton Strawman, he, he signed for one year, $1 million. Um, he's got that championship pedigree that you know he, he earned when he was playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, we saw him in action in the preseason. He's he's a I, I believe he's 36 years old. He's a veteran defenseman who's going to bring stability to the line. He'll probably be your your third pairing defenseman alongside a guy like Zaboral or a guy like um even uh maybe Riley. Maybe Strawman and Riley will become a pair. Who knows? But I do like the Strawman signing. Just you know, based on what he can bring to this team. And the contract situation with uh, McAvoy when he comes off LTIR, the Bruins are going to have to move on from somebody. They're going to have – like, they, they actually legitimately do not have a choice. They're going to have to move someone. And, you know, at that point, you're looking at the guys – a couple of guys on this team who are making maybe three million bucks, four million bucks, who – are playing bottom six roles or they're playing bottom four defensive pairing roles. It's going to be interesting and it's a problem for the future. And it's something that we don't really have to worry about right now. Right now, all we have to worry about is who we have on the ice, who we have playing and doing whatever it takes to just continue to grab those two points on a nightly basis and survive this, you know, month to a month and a half without the big name players that we're missing right now. And, and, and to just even jump in into this really quick, talking about how important this first month and a half is you get off to a start like this, you start off on the right foot. You're already, you already got the win. You got a win against Washington on the road and you set a precedent. You come into Boston on Saturday, you have Arizona. You need to, Pummel Arizona. Beat the brakes off them. <laughs> Beat the brakes off of the Arizona State University Coyotes. Okay, <laughs> you, you have to. Yeah, I, that that is going to be one exciting game. The barn's going to be rocking for that one. It better um, be. In terms of Strawman, though, I mean, I know I on Twitter especially you've been very excited about him. Uh honestly, like it. It sounds. I don't mean to sound rude, but like I really don't care. Like, like, yeah. it, like they are so. It's, it's fair, you know. Like they have a million serviceable defensemen right now. I mean, we're talking about a guy like, like Connor Clifton being their seventh defenseman, um, and you know, Strawman. He's a good signing. He can play. He's a veteran. He brings stability to that system. Like you said, he has a championship pedigree. But when they're healthy, do you think that Strawman is is gonna be a consistent third line pairing or do you think there's a chance that he bumps down to to the seventh defenseman to the extra guy um there's a potential that he could bump down to that seventh guy but i i think what he brings to this team is just an energy of just calmness because the way the way that he moves the puck and the way he handles the blue line there's no panic in his game whatsoever and i mean that's kind of what you need Especially at this at this stage of the year, when you are missing guys like McAvoy, Marshawn, and Grizzlick, you you don't want younger guys taking a pivotal role who who may not be necessary or who may not be ready for that role. So they're out there, they're squeezing the stick a little bit too hard, they're thinking a little bit too much. 
they're they're trying to force plays and with Strawman you're not going to see that and so with that first month to a month and a half I think Strawman's going to be very important to the uh, back end of this team you know what you just absolutely sold me <laughs> that, that was that was a fantastic point that I hadn't considered because you're totally right you're totally right I mean they're they're you you can never have too much depth on defense. And thinking about that third unit, Zaboral is practically a rookie, despite him being like 24. He has very little NHL experience. And we've been talking about Connor Clifton. Again, I will never speak poorly about the guy, but he has definitely struggled at points. So you're right. In this beginning of the season, when it's so important to pick up these wins while your top defenseman is out, while your, your best player, Marshan, is out, it's definitely beneficial to have a guy like that who's been in the league now for a decade plus and not anchoring your third unit but you're right bringing that calming presence so i'm all aboard the strongman trade now you just <laughs> totally convinced me if now if it when they do bring mcavoy off the long-term ir how much cap would they have to shed because you were talking about moving a guy who's making three mil like would they have to do that or could they move somebody like um clifton for example who's making less than that um I don't know exactly, but I believe it's at least three million dollars that you would have to move. So, but but here's this though. I I will say, out of any negative, and I hate to be negative, but I I will for a second because we've been nothing but positive so far, and it's not even really a negative. It's just it's just um something that I guess could use a little bit more work. Brandon Carlo is making $4.1 million. And I don't know, man, if, 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 if you're looking to clear cap, you're looking at every, every season. I find myself saying, damn, I'm just looking for a little bit more from you. You're a big guy. You're heavy. Um, you're good defensively, but, but he, he just, I, I don't know. I, I can see the Bruins. <sighs> I'm not trying to be a rumor boy here, but I can see the Bruins maybe surprising everybody and moving Carlo at some point. I I, I could see that. That would be a hot take. Uh, listen, it, it is. I, it's definitely a hot take. It is. I don't even know if it's something that I fully support, but it's something that I can see happening. I totally. First, okay. First of all, I don't think that they can move Carlo just because they have. They have a lot of serviceable defensemen, but they seriously lack in terms of the other, you know, powerhouses, not just in the East, but the league. They seriously lack top level defensemen. McAvoy's your guy, right? Yep. He's an elite defenseman in this league. Lindholm is a very good defenseman, but if Carlo isn't playing as well as he should be, that is a pretty big drop off with the rest of the crew. And I think just because it is, of it is who Carlo is, right? He's like 6'4". He's a great skater. He's great in the defensive zone. He's puck moving. Like he he should be a top two pairing guy. And I think you have to hold on to him with the hopes that he becomes that because you need him to be that because you need that guy. It, you can't just have two elite defensemen, Lindholm, borderline elite defensemen, and then have like your Zaboral and your... um. Riley and whoever the rest of this unit is like you need you need Carlo and I know like it sucks and like 4.1 million for for what he's been giving you 
especially tonight, like shooting the puck in the goalie's chest on a breakaway. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what the hell was that? Like, you know, you need him. You're right. You need him to kind of pick it up and be that player that he should be because he has all of the tools in his toolbox. You're just kind of waiting for him. And it's so frustrating at times. It reminds me a lot of of Dougie Hamilton when he first yeah. started playing here. His first couple years with the Bruins, man, he had everything. Like he was the six six best skater on the ice, but he was he was a pansy. Like he wasn't hitting anybody. He wasn't getting in the dirty areas. He wasn't. He's just poke checking, stick checking everybody. And you see a lot of that from Carlo. And it it took until until um, Hamilton had a change of scenery to finally kind of unlock the player who he is. And even now, he's an elite defenseman. But I still think there's something more that he can give because Hamilton has everything. And, you know, for Carlo, you kind of see the same thing. I mean, he has a lot, I'll say it again, he has a lot of tools in his toolbox and you're just kind of waiting for him to reach that potential. And, you know, he's never, he's, he's probably never going to be a Dougie Hamilton. He's never going to be, definitely not, but he is a guy who should be like a low level top two pairing without a doubt, a, a top four guy. And, um, you need to start seeing that from him, especially if McAvoy is out for the first month and a half, two months of the year. I'm honestly the only frustration that I ever have with with Carlo is the lack of physicality from him because mm-hmm. he could literally he could literally bully people in the defensive yeah. end and, and he just doesn't. They, and before they got Lindholm, like that was crippling because he was yep. he's their biggest defenseman. He and you have like I understand McAvoy's a different animal, but you have your six foot one defenseman just barreling through guys at the blue line, laying his body out, making a spark, hitting people through the glass. And then you have your 6'4", Brandon Carlo, tallest guy on the team, who's like poke checking like fourth liners in the corner when it's like, go get the puck, like rub the guy out, put him through the glass. Are you kidding me? Like you you should be one throwing hips. Like look at what McAvoy is doing. McAvoy is out there laying people out, putting them through the glass. And, like, Brandon Carlo is twice the size. He's just as good of a skater. Like, you should be doing that, too. And that's so frustrating. And now that they have Lindholm, they have another big guy who can throw the body around, so it's okay. But, like, that's part of your game that you should you, – you need to hit because that's – look at you. Like, look at your body. You yeah. Know? I mean, and, 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 too, when he does go for the poke checks, like – He's he's bound to get one penalty a game, and it's always a stick penalty. It's either yep. a trip, or or like a high stick, or or, or the stupid fucking delay of game penalty. Yep. Like he's good for he's good for one a game at least. And I'm telling but, you, as as soon as you start, is he starts thinking of you take the body first, it will stop getting as many penalties because like every single one right. is a trip, a slash. It puts a stick between somebody's skates. If you're taking the body first every play, that doesn't happen. Yeah, no, exactly, and th- and that's the only frustrating part that I I I uh, I have with Brandon Carlo because he he does the potential is there, the potential is there. He's he's a good defenseman, but if he could just if he would just play the body a little bit more and insert himself into the physicality aspect of the game just a little bit more. I think his game would elevate one or two levels because he's, he can be that guy. It's just for some reason, um, he just doesn't apply it to his game, which I'm not going to sit here and criticize him because 
he's in the NHL playing top four defensive minutes, and I'm here talking about him right now. So I'm not criticizing him. I'm not saying he's bad at all. I'm just saying that I think um, his game would benefit from a little bit more physicality. And not only his game would benefit, but I think this team as a whole would benefit from his phys- physicality. Yeah, I agree, especially with the rest of this unit. I mean, it's it's a, it's a short defensive crew. When Forbert's not playing, I mean, the the rest of your defensive unit is like 6'2 and below. Strawman's 5'11". Like, you need some yeah. size, and you need these guys to use it. And and if Carlo isn't throwing his body around, that's critical because you got you got Linholm. Yeah, you, you don't really have anyone else. Yeah, you got Linholm, who's a big guy who uses his body, and you got McAvoy, but like... You know, that kind of worries me if if McAvoy is the only guy hitting because then you see him get injuries and suddenly he's out for two months because he's got to be the one to make a play and lay a guy out. And that's McAvoy. And I'm glad that he does that. And that's part of his game. That's what makes him who he is. But like, yeah, if if you're a person like Carlo and you're like towering over the rest of your team, like when you're in the locker room before the game starts and you're watching Charlie McAvoy, who's three inches shorter than you, go out there and lay people out. That would make me feel some kind of way. And I would want to go out there. I want to put somebody through the glass too. So he's got to get more physical, man. It's frustrating. Yeah. And I would say too, I would just add to that. Um, another reason why Derek Forbert being a part of this team is important is because he can also play that role. He can throw his body around. He's that defensive defenseman that you uh, can rely on to play that role, hit people, block shots, uh, yeah. as we said earlier. But that, also, shout out Darla. Shout out Darla. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, our podcast mascot at Big Bruins Energy, Lauren, is a huge fan of <laughs> the, the Forbert's dog, Darla. So, so we'll take a little break here. Um, I'll bring you our our ad read here about maybe a little over halfway through the show. Um, BNG as a whole, Black and Gold Hockey Productions, um, and our podcast is brought to you by uh, Cano Wellness. Something's Bruins listeners. It's time to talk about the amazing Cano Wellness Company. Cano Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can of Sleep, Can of Med, Can of Fresh, and Can of Boost. It's the trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins and nutrients and herbal extracts in four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. That's unbelievably fast. Um, it's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on Canna Wellness Company to support high performance. Let's talk about each product. Canna Boost gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize in a healthy way. Use daily before you work out, when studying for an exam, or in other times you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Can of Men provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Can of Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Can of Fresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Can of Sleep This is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid and is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage on how much sleep you need. 
If you want to try these amazing Cano Wellness and all-natural oral sprays, please go to canowellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That's BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the canowellness.com website. So thank you, Cano Wellness, for sponsoring the episode, uh, the show, the the uh, media outlet as a whole. And, um, yeah, so we can jump right into this, too. So this happened in the, a couple days ago, but um, the Bruins put Nick Foligno, Chris Wagner, and Mike Riley on waivers, right? So a, a lot of people were happy to see Foligno go down, maybe get claimed, clear up the cap. Obviously, he did not get claimed for the money that he's making <laughs> and the role that he's playing. Um, um, Wagner didn't get claimed. That didn't surprise me. But I am a little bit surprised that Mike Riley didn't get claimed. He's he's making I think three million dollars. Um, steady offensive defenseman. He could be used in a lot of teams' defensive cores, and 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 he stuck through. Luckily, because I I was I personally was not happy when I saw that he got waves. I was a big supporter of him, you know, being in a potentially a top four role this year. Um, but we do have a DM question. We have two DM questions actually from. Uh, Gail, she works for BNG. Uh, she's a part of the company. She's awesome. Uh, she she does so much work around the uh, company as a whole to help us out. Um, editing articles, talking to us um, on Twitter, and just you know just being a great person overall. But she, one of her questions, you can follow her on Twitter at Lady Bruins Fan. But one of her questions is in relation to those waiver claims, and. Her question is, with the three that cleared waivers, who were you most disappointed to see come back? Ooh. That's a good question. <clears throat> I think I'd have to say Felino. I like Nick Felino, but um, for the money that he's made... Well, who was it? Felino, Riley, and who else? Can you remind me of the third person? Wagner, right? Yes. Okay, well... Wagner, Wagner, I think is still a serviceable fourth liner, and I still think that he's better yeah. than Nick Foligno. Riley, when it happened, when I saw that he was on waivers, I wasn't as upset. Definitely not as upset as you were, and I don't think I was as upset as kind of the rest of the of the Bruins' pulse. Um, I didn't know he was going to play like how he played tonight. I wasn't too thrilled about him last year. And I, and I thought that um, if he got picked up, well, there's $3 million off the books, you know, because we've been trying to think of a way to spend cap. But the way that I see it is, is Riley is still an important part of this team moving forward. You just said that you think that he could, he could possibly play uh, top four minutes this year. They're definitely going to need him with McAvoy out. They're definitely going to need him moving forward, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, and it comes down to uh, Wagner's just a better player. And um, I think that Nick Felino, for the amount of money that he's making, I think that you have better options on that fourth line, not just in terms of money, but like you want to talk about youth players as well. Like we were talking about what? Mark McLaughlin. Yes, that's what I was going to say. You're talking <laughs> about Mark McLaughlin. I would have loved to see Mark McLaughlin on that fourth line. I think that he's... Um, we've seen a lot more Nick Foligno than we have Mark McLaughlin, but I think that Mark McLaughlin, dare I say this? I think he's better. I think that he's more for myself. I'm more excited about young players getting fourth line minutes than I am mid 30 year old veterans. And he's a hell of a lot cheaper. 
And Nick Foligno is a good guy. Like I'm not upset that um, he cleared waivers and that he's still here. But if I had to pick one of those three players to get claimed by another team, I would take Nick Foligno in a heartbeat for the reasons I just said. Yeah, I honestly, I, I kind of agree with you. It's really, it's, I'll be honest, it's really a cap situation. And it's, it's through no fault of Nick Foligno. If, if you're his age and you're playing the way you are and, and someone decides to hand you over $3.8 million to play fourth line, you say yes every single day. <laughs> every single time you say yes. So I would agree with you. Um, because I do think I, I I'll be honest I do think I I I, I understand the the animosity toward the Nick Foligno contract I don't understand the animosity to Nick Foligno as a as a player and as a person because what he brings to this team is valuable it's 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 an overpayment for sure for what he brings to the team but what he brings to the team is still of value to the roster he the veteran experience that he brings is valuable no matter what people say it's valuable um like almost kind of like strawman you know like would you be mad at nick felino if he were to sign a one million dollar contract for a year no you'd be you would be happy about that that's a that's a veteran guy who's been captain of odd uh not ottawa uh columbus, columbus. yep and and you have him on your fourth line kind of kind of being the veteran on the on the line and, and driving the line teaching these younger guys how to play but i the animosity comes from his contract and i would agree with you in saying that i was the most disappointed to see him come back through waivers solely because of the contract because if we could have found a way to lose that 3.8 million dollars if some team ate that contract it would help us out so much it would help the team out so much but he didn't get picked up he's still on the team that 3.8 million dollars is still in the books and guess what you eat that sweeney gave that contract out you eat that there's nothing you can do about it so be mad at the contract don't be mad at the player be mad at That's the contract right. That's right. Nick Foligno's a great guy. He did. He was a, a great player when he was in Columbus, wore that C proudly. And you're definitely right. Um, he does bring a lot of value in terms of leadership. Um, in a team that's lost a lot of leadership in their recent years, I mean, I know Krejci's back now, but they lost Char a few years ago. They're still a relatively young team in terms of some of the players that are coming up and they have new players in the mix too. Taylor Hall, you can say he's a leader in this team now, but he just got here a little over a year ago. And you know what? You have your crew. You Nick Foligno's in the full. Chris Wagner's here. Mike Riley's here. So you know what? Let's ride, baby. We're going Let's to the ride. cup. We're going to the cup. We're going to the cup. 82 and 0. Yeah, but I, I yeah, I would say Foligno. And and uh, it's it's tough to pick out of those three. Definitely not Riley. It's probably between Felino and Wagner. Um, and obviously, I would choose Felino just just based on the contract. Um, yeah. But I do agree too. Wagner is is serviceable on that fourth line. Um, he's not going to be offensive, but he brings that grinder type style, you know, to the fourth line. Yeah, I think that's. I think you just hit it right on the head too. Is at at this point, at this. Chris Chris Wagner has been a fourth liner his whole career. At this point in his career, Nick Foligno is a fourth liner, and Chris Wagner is just 
uh, it sounds weird saying it, but he's just a better fourth liner. His style is fit for a fourth liner. You just said it. He's a grinder. He's a high energy guy. He's he's gonna make the most of his twenty five second shifts, and that's just not Nick Foligno's game. And that's not his problem. It's not his fault. That's not who he's really ever been. And I think you, if you want to compare the two, talking of both the fourth line role, I would rather have Chris Wagner on my fourth line. You add in the fact that he's cheaper and he's younger, and I think it's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the team we're really going to be rolling with. I mean, I, we'll definitely see Mark McLaughlin again um, up in Boston, you know. Hopefully in, sooner rather than later. Yeah, we'll, through injuries, through maintenance days, through because he's he has a two-way contract anyway, so he can be that. Um, taxi? Yeah, he can be that taxi guy, which that's a valuable taxi guy that you have. And if 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 he can play top six minutes in Providence and really play a lot, develop his game even more, and then when we need him in Boston to come up and play bottom six roles, I, I and be able to be that two way guy, you know, without waivers, he can go up, he can go down, it doesn't matter. Um, no one's gonna claim him. It's it's that that's a valuable guy to this team, and it's it's for sure he's not spending the season in Providence. He will be up in Boston at some point. Um, he's. I. I think he's the first guy to get the call if somebody goes down. It's. It's going to be McLaughlin. Yeah. Um, I. W- I wonder if they're going to uh, at some point start bumping him in and out with uh, AJ Greer, who got some ice time tonight on the third line. He. Yeah. He was last in the Bruins in time on ice at just over nine minutes. But that's a guy who, three weeks ago, I don't know if anybody has him making this roster in a yeah, strong. I, I didn't. A strong- <laughs> A strong preseason had him on the third line opening night. I would love to see Mark McLaughlin get some minutes up here um, in Boston and see what he can do. And and it, maybe it won't be on the fourth line. Maybe you know if if maybe him and Greer can become interchangeable and you can you can start swapping them out on that on that wing on that third line there. Yeah, and and I mean because we were we were saying too, you know injuries may happen, so McLaughlin is probably that first guy to come up. Well, Jake DeBrusque just kind of got nicked up. He he hurt his shoulder on that cross-check play in the corner. And it's a, a good transition into the second question from uh, Gail. She asked, if Jake DeBrusque can't go, who moves up to Bergeron's line? Is it McLaughlin time and Smith moves up? Question mark. Oh, that's especially, listen, especially after watching this game tonight, that is a fan fantastic question because Zaka would be the shoe-in I think to bump up to that wing on that first line but I don't know if you want to break that check line up after watching what they did tonight so that that might be a time for McLaughlin to get the call maybe Greer bumps (laughs) up I mean I don't know that's a that's a really good question who do you think they would who do you think they would have there at at that wing instead of DeBrusque God, see, and this is where this is where the Bruins are going to run into issues with <laughs> when the, in this first month to a month and a half without Marshawn because you're gonna you need that winger to get up there and, and play those minutes. And I see Craig Smith. Mm. I see I see Craig Smith sliding into that first role in this hypothetical, and McLaughlin taking that spot in that third. I I don't want McLaughlin to be overwhelmed uh, with his role in the beginning because. I mean, just being in a Boston market, if a young guy like that comes up and he does happen to get that top line and he's playing alongside Bergeron 
and you know uh, playing along Bergeron's line, and he doesn't perform, fans are just going to eat him up, and it's going to be the same story as always. Is fan base is going to get on this guy when this isn't even his role to begin with, and it's just going to create a toxic environment. But I would rather go with the guy with more experience in the NHL. Um, a guy who's who's familiar with the team, familiar with the roster, having played the last two seasons in Craig Smith, and and jump up there, play as many games as he has to until DeBrus comes back. If he's hurt, if he's hurt, and um, you know, be a serviceable serviceable guy up there with Bergeron. Yeah, I think the the realistic part of me agrees with you, and I think that Craig Smith is probably the right answer because I don't think you want to take Zaka off that second line. But like the like totally deranged part of me who loves chaos would love to see AJ Greer on that top line because like why the hell not? Like you know you were talking about like not wanting to throw a, like a player a young player in the fire like that especially in Boston. Well like <laughs> I know it was a preseason but Bruins totally did that with AJ Greer in the preseason. The guy was on oh, yeah. fire and for his the nine minutes he played tonight he made the most of it. I mean you noticed him a couple times he was out there. He had a good uh he had a good steal in the offensive zone and got a, a good shot right in the slot which i thought was awesome um and you know top line minutes you know i don't he's definitely there's players in front of him that are more deserving than him (laughs) for sure the guy who's like a career ahl player but you know if he keeps showing promise and if he keeps playing the way that he is and if the can miss some some serious time why the hell not let's throw aj greer on that top line and see what he can do give him a short leash though because then maybe craig <laughs> i think craig smith would still be the right answer but like i would love to see what aj greer could do with uh some top line talent and some big minutes why the hell not see what you got in the kid yeah i mean this this is gonna be a fun year. I, yeah. I there's so many storylines coming in. I mean, think of, we're talking. I can't remember the last time I really talked about guys in the AHL who have like a legitimate shot of stepping up into the Boston roster and and having an impact. It's it's there's there's so many guys. McLaughlin, Lauco played good tonight. Um guys like that you're not gonna see Lysol but Stanika I didn't even mention Stanika he's another guy that could jump up and play there there's depth on this team that we haven't had in a decent amount of time and it's not established depth that's the one thing it's not established depth but it's guys who you can rely on to come in and and play some minutes yeah it's it's totally the next up mentality and it's awesome, right? And like you think about when this team is healthy and you know Marshan is back and he slides into that top line. I mean, Taylor Hall, Bergeron, and Marshan on your top line with I guess the check line, third line, and then our second line and like Debrusque on the third. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's so many different combinations you could you could have for this line. And that's like a great, a great problem to have. Like, that's some depth that they have in their top couple lines. And if you have somebody in McLaughlin, if you have somebody in Greer, like you still have uh coil on your third line. I mean, now you have some, like some players that are kind of exciting and your defensive unit too. I mean, Zaboral has been playing out of his mind in the preseason. He looked pretty solid tonight. Riley's been playing great. A guy you just said that you think could get some top four minutes this year when McAvoy's back. Like this is a team that like a month ago, I thought that they were seriously lacking some depth 
But after watching some of these young guys that you just mentioned, some of these AHL guys in the preseason, after watching some of these guys who, if a, if the team was fully healthy, they wouldn't have anywhere near as big of a role that they had tonight play well. Like, I'm encouraged. Like, I'm excited. Like, I'm ready to say that this team has some encouraging depth that I really didn't think that they had a month ago before the preseason started. Yeah, and and that's the, that's the thing that I was going to say, too, is that there, there were a lot of people saying, like, this team screwed with all these injuries. They're screwed. They, they don't I was strong. totally one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, look at what we have in case more injuries happen. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. And by the way, when we have a fully healthy team, the Providence Bruins are going to be disgusting. Calder, baby. Is that what's oh, yeah. the AHL trophy? Is it the Calder? Yeah, the, the Calder Cup. Calder, baby. It's going to be a disgusting team. They have it two good goalies. The, f- the first time, actually, I want to say this while we're recording because I asked you when we were watching the game and I just want to put it out there for people to think about. When an NHL team wins the Stanley Cup, does the AHL team also get excited? So, like, for example, if you're a player who's never, never suited up for the Colorado Avalanche ever, but you've been playing, like, their AHL system for, like, three years, when the Avalanche won the Cup, like, are you excited? Are you just like, eh, good for them? Like I, I feel like, like I don't know, and like and vice versa. <laughs> like if you're if you're on Boston, and like you just mentioned, if Providence wins the Calder this year, do you think Bergeron's like hell yeah, boys, or do you think he's like yeah, good good for them? Like, do you think I, that they they care about that? I bet he's like hell yeah, because like I think I think the AHL team, if they see this, if they see the NHL team win the cup, I think they're excited, but they're also at the same time they're like damn, like yeah, I, mean, I was so close, I could have been there. there. Except for jealousy, like you know, like you gotta watch these big hot shots walk around with their rings, and you're just like you gotta take a coach bus to every game. <laughs> like like yeah. that would suck. You gotta you gotta <laughs> jump on a bus to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 the Province Bruins are playing up in Halifax. Sorry, right, let's let's jump on the Peter Pan bus and one four ninety five. The Fungwa. We jump on the Fungwa bus up to up to Calgary. Oh my god. No, I I feel like I feel like like NHL players if their AHL counterpart wins I feel like you got to be excited oh, because yeah. like a lot of those guys like played for the AHL team I you know I know there's like superstar prospects who go right to the show or like you trade for guys but like this Bruins roster like there's a handful of players who came through Providence like I, you would have to think that they would be excited but I could totally see an AHL player like not giving a shit yeah. if like, their <laughs> NHL team wins cuz they get nothing out of it they don't get a ring they don't get a raise they don't get their name on the cup. Like the only thing that they get is like, I guess more like in, like media questions about it. Like, <laughs> like what else? Like what else would you get? Like I feel like yeah. they would be like good for them, you know. I in, in terms of NHL, say the AHL team won the uh, call the cup. The NHL team, I feel like they'd be pumped because they'd be like, look at these guys. Like these are the young guys in our system. They just they just won the Calder Cup in the AHL. Like these guys are playing well. Um, they're having fun. They're winning. Like this is what you want to, especially like say it's in the perspective of a Patrice, of a Patrice Bergeron. He's got to be like, let's go. Like these young guys are killing it down in the A, and um, you know you love to see that because as much as I hate to say it, he he's kind of 
at the very tail end of his career and i know and 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 but but then in his perspective you see them win and you're like you're like let's go like that that you love to see that as a veteran you love to see the young guys have success yeah definitely i feel like i feel like you would also have your like majority of players like debrusque for example if Providence won the Calder Cup, I feel like he 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 like wouldn't know about it until he's like making a franchise on NHL <laughs> and like is like flipping through like the past like accidentally like like hits the right stick or something and switches over to the NHL. He's like, oh shit, and like <laughs> like he's looking at past winners and sees Providence there, and then he's, he's like, got to oh yeah, oh oh no way, dude! I didn't know we won. Like I feel like I feel like you have like no idea Providence won unless somebody told him. But I could be wrong. But I feel like definitely for the most part, like the guys who have been through the AHL system, so maybe DeBrusk and like the older guys or veterans or leaders, I feel like they all care about that. You yeah. know, it's almost like um, like when you're in high school and you're like on the varsity team, your coach is like, all right, like we got to go to the JV game and support them, guys. Come on, like wear your jerseys, <laughs> like, hoot and holler. Like I feel like it's like the same, like the same thing for them. Like like, Monk, like Jim Montgomery sitting them down. He's like, boys. <laughs> Providence has got a game in uh, Rochester tonight. You know we're gonna fly, we're gonna we're gonna take uh, the private jet up there. We're all gonna wear our jerseys and sit in the crowd. <laughs> no, no, they're playing in Providence. They're gonna sit in the Duncan zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you guys some rubber pucks to throw in center ice. Like I feel like yeah. the NHL players really Chuck care a about puck. the age of guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, get the rubber pucks. Whoever gets it closest to the center dot, you win uh, free pair of tickets for the next game. <laughs> I bet you. I bet Riley would win that. Riley would win the chuck a puck. Ugh. I I bet I bet Clifton wouldn't even participate because he's already <laughs> he'll, he'll be Cl- playing in the next game anyway. Clifton Clifton would be the guy who threw it and it wouldn't even make it over the glass. It would just hit the <laughs> it, would, it would hit the glass and bounce back in the stands. Oh my god. No, no, Clifton's the guy who's putting the puck in his pocket and bring it home as a souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even throwing it. <laughs> oh, <this is> <laughs> Poor guy. No, he he, he misses the tuck of puck. He's in line to get a pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's Forbert. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Hey, well, I mean, hey, happy regular season opening game. Good W against the Washington Capitals. Nothing but positives, really, to take out of that game. I, the only negative thing that I honestly had to say was that Brandon Carlo didn't hit as, enough people tonight. <laughs> like that was the only negative oh, yeah. thing I had to say. I will say this though: they played fantastic tonight, and we've yeah, had a did. lot of good things to say. But I promise you, if they lose to Arizona, the world will be falling. And I will be so negative next episode. It, it's one game, and they gotta keep the momentum. They gotta, they gotta be able to, to keep playing consistently. Because how many times have you seen a good team, not just the Bruins, but a good team in any sport, when they play a shitty team that doesn't even play in their own stadium, and they yeah. play down a level, and they can get yes. a game stolen from them? And I think that it's it's not a big test, but I want to see them come out against an inferior team on their home ice. And beat the brakes off them, and you know I think what? That they have it in them. You know what? It's it. You're right. It's not a big test, but at the same time, it is because yeah, like there's you, definitely stuff that I'm looking for. You know, 
Oh, like yeah. I'm 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 optimistic that they're gonna win and they should win, but like I don't want to see them win like three to two. Like I want to see like a, like a five to one game. Like I want to see yeah. a pummeling because they're definitely capable of that. And I think that, especially after watching tonight, I think that's what should happen. And I feel confident I, in, in saying that. I mean, on Saturday, if 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 Montgomery keeps the check line together, they might have a combined seventeen points. <laughs> They just—that's why I said, listen, Pasta <laughs> might not get three hundred points this year. He might get four hundred. <laughs> yeah, but no, but like actually, yeah, on Saturday, I'm we're we're on a high right now. It was game one, but <laughs> on Saturday, you're playing Arizona. You you have to come out there and you have to come out there strong. And you, it's it's the first game on home ice against a far inferior team to you. You need to go out there and you need to dominate that game. It's a different story if the goalie, who whoever the goalie is for the Arizona State University Coyotes is, <laughs> it, it, if the goalie comes out there and he, you know, plays an unreal game, sometimes you have those where the goalie's just on and you don't beat him. But you you got to come out there and you got to dominate. You if, if that's the case, you need to make the goalie work and really earn that win. But Outside of that, the rest of the roster, you you absolutely destroy. Like you you need to go out there, you need to dominate the game, uh, and you really need to cement yourself as a team that can beat those inferior teams. You can't be a team that goes into Washington, beats them, and then plays Arizona and just kind of shits the bed. You need to go out there and you need to dominate. I agree. And I think that they will. And I think that Swayman is <laughs> going to have one heck of a game because he's got to start the year off right. And I'm pumped up. What time is <laughs> yeah. the game at? Is it a. Uh, I think it's another seven. Uh, I, I, I would die for a matinee. I'm a big fan of those mid afternoon games. No, I'm the opposite. I hate matinees. Really? Unless it's on like Thanksgiving or something, because then I can no, watch. Well, I mean, I like it because it opens up the rest of the night. There's, not, there's nothing better than. A matinee on a Sunday afternoon. Bruins at one, Pats at four. Are you kidding me? Does it get Sunday night football? Does it get any better than that? that but you're actually lineup. you're right. Now that I think about it, like a, a one o'clock Bruins game on a Saturday sounds like absolute hell for the for the players and the fans. But a good Sunday matinee followed by some Patriots football. I'm always down for that. But yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, the Bruins Arizona game on Saturday is at seven, so that you know, get home. Actually, most of you won't be working on Saturday, but I will be. But get home from work. Yeah, get home from work. Uh, make some dinner. Tune in for the game, and uh, I'm pumped up. It's hockey season. It is hockey season. These games hockey's count. Back, Hockey's back. Hockey's back. Oh my God! So much shit to get excited about i'm so pumped up i'm so pumped <laughs> up and if you're listening to this by the way and you are in our uh fantasy hockey league i just wanted to give you a heads up that nobody's beating me this year i'm sorry it's over oh my it's gosh done. it's complete this i'm already guy. killing mel i'm already you killing can... mel let me let me check the score you've been talking non-stop about <laughs> how you have this big lead against me i had one player play on opening night or yesterday alex petrangelo Cat super casual 17 points, no big deal. You had your <laughs> goalie and like three other people play. Obviously, you're gonna have a big lead. And the score right now, 
Oh wait, he's only two behind me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Shut your look at this guy. He's getting nervous. He's getting Pedersen is 17 points. Kale McCarr is 15. Oh, I lied. Sorry. Alex Petrangelo didn't have 17 points. He had 26. Oh, and old Freddie Anderson's got me 34. So I can see you got beads of sweat going down your forehead. You getting a little nervous there? You afraid of the hey, comeback? Hey, it's gonna be a great fantasy season. It's gonna be a great NHL regular season. It's going to be such a fun year. Uh, you know, continue to follow us along on Twitter. You can follow us um, on the Bird app at Bruin something. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And I do want to remind everybody that we are in partnership with BNG Productions. So um, I do want to give a shout out to all the other uh, Bruins podcasts on the uh, BNG network uh, at black and gold pod at Bruins something. That's us at short shift pod and at only Bruins on Spotify. Check out only Bruins. Um, I was, uh, I was lucky enough to be featured on uh, last week's episode with Nick. Uh, it's a great show. It's so much fun. Not me, Nick. Um, yeah, not 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 Nick on this show. Nick Busa. You can follow him on Twitter. It's uh, at Tata Busi. But um, yeah, follow all of our podcasts along for the season. You can never get too much Bruins content, especially us. We're all crazy Bruins fans. Um, but yeah, as always, you know, I do want to mention we are in partnership with uh, BNG Productions. Uh, thank, thanks to them for giving us this platform to be able to create this show and, and bring content to you guys. Um, I do want to mention that if you're looking for Bruins podcasts to listen to, listening uh, in on, on Bruins content all season long, make sure you follow the at Black and Gold pod. Um, follow us on Twitter at Bruins something. Follow the at Short Shift pod and follow at Only Bruins one. Uh, we're always on Twitter. We're active. We're, we're inter- interacting with you guys. And now that the season started, I don't know why you wouldn't follow us. I don't know why you wouldn't follow us. I don't know why you, why you wouldn't follow any of them. It's what I'm saying. It's hockey season. Let's go. Let's get everybody involved. Let's 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 get let's get a community going. Let's go. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like let's go. This is it. This is the season. This was game one of eighty two. You know, uh, leading us into into spring hockey. So, with that being said, this was Something's Brewing Episode! (laughs) Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, As always, uh, we appreciate the love. We we appreciate the support. Um, We appreciate all the DMs you guys continue to send us. Um, You guys make the show. So thank you very much for listening and go Bruins. Bye. I think it's time to start this episode. Let's get brewing. Something is 
definitely brewing tonight. Are you ready to get brewing? Let's <laughs> brew in. <laughs> 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 <laughs>